0: I always like to think that the bigger lesson is in your, you know, people learn by example, the way you go about things. Everybody has their own battle to fight their own journey to walk in. And, you know, no matter how perfectly thorough instructional content is, it's not going to address their personal battle. Mm -hmm. And so I always feel like it's more helpful to see a person's method of fighting the battle of approaching the challenges, you know, the method of through problems. And so that includes the mistakes and how you confront them, because that's what everybody will be.
1: This is Morgan, and welcome to If These Walls Could Talk. In this podcast, I interview fellow mural artists and art advocates, as well as share my own insights from 20 years in the field so that we can all up our game together and more great mural art can get made. Hey, welcome to If These Walls Could Talk, season two. I'm super excited. In this episode, we have Joe Cornelius of Mural Joe. And I first saw Joe, I think it was about 2012. I saw one of his videos on YouTube and I just loved it. It made me laugh. It felt true, like to my experience. And he was really helpful explaining stuff. And I showed that video to at least three or four of the people like, hey, 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 you got to watch this. Hey, you got to watch this. That was back in 2012. And he has just gotten better and better. And then so much service provided like so much value to the art community by showing his tips and tricks and kind of inviting us in along the way. And his videos are so entertaining. I had a hard time. I was just watching some of his videos before we're recording today And it was hard to stop watching. I realized it's like my favorite YouTube channel. So first of all, I just want to say, if you haven't had a chance to go watch any of Joe's videos, go do that after this podcast. They're super fun. And I just want to say, Joe, hi, I love you. I'm a huge fan. It's like a thrill to have you on my podcast today.
0: Thank you so much. What a flattering intro that was. Thank you so much for the high compliment on my work and making me feel like a guest of honor here. That's it's really above and beyond.
1: I just have to tell you some of the things I really appreciate about your videos and how you do things before I ask you questions. First, I just have to tell you. Sure. like So it's so endearing and sweet how honest you are and how you let us into what you're thinking about. You let us into the mistakes you're making. And yet you're simultaneously so good at what you do and creating an impact with your work. And I also really appreciate how you're making a multi-level impact. So the way you're not being snobby or exclusive about the art, but just inviting people in, even the people who are on the street talking to them, the people who want to help you paint, like you know, the coffee shop owner or the kid. Yeah. You're just like, yeah, come on in. This is about fun. And when I was watching the videos, I guess it really reminded me of the spirit of Bob Ross. Oh, he just wanted to okay. make it
0: friendly and approach. I love Ross. So I grew up watching Barbara yeah. Saturday morning PBS
1: well I think you really you really embody a lot of that spirit of like come on in you know art's a friendly place you know we're going to solve some problems here you know you approach it like a, a problem solving like we can do this and then also continually like making it fun thank you you do it so well you're such an entertainer so wait a few more mm-hmm. things I want to say in an intro 300,000 subscribers on your YouTube
0: channel. Is it at 3,000 now? It was like hundreds away last time I looked.
1: 299 was this morning's number. I think by the time this this airs, it'll be at 300.
0: Oh, I got to do something to celebrate and thank all the (laughs) subscribers.
1: And then I noticed your How to Paint Water on a Beach, 2 million views. That's like a phenomenon.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm so thrilled about that. It's amazing seeing that happen. I never saw myself as a YouTuber before it all began.
1: Yeah, that's so cool. Well, I just have so many questions. I have questions around the business side, around the process side. And then I also thought it'd be fun to like talk shop this morning.
0: Sure, yeah. I'd love to talk about anything.
1: Okay, cool. So I guess, first of all, you know, back in 2012, you were just um, primarily as a mural artist. And now I've noticed you've moved more towards, I'm sort of a mural art teacher. And so I'm curious if that was a real intentional step or that just evolved naturally for you.
0: Yeah, I think you said it well. It's a natural evolution of my career. And, you know, I have done a handful of murals lately that I haven't posted for one reason or another. I was doing one that I was really proud of, am really proud of, with a bunch of kids in Grand Canyon for an organization here, a youth organization. But then, COVID came and they wanted to do a big grand opening and unveil it. I think that it's still under a veil from a year ago. So I I never could post it because I can't post something before it unveils. Hmm. And then I did work maybe like more than 3,000 square foot of clouds on a ceiling over in eastern Colorado. And I can't show that because there's a big unveiling that they're waiting to do when construction's done. But I have the feeling that construction was held up for the same reason. And so, you know, there's been some mural projects I I do love very much to paint murals. There's nothing like it. And like you described so well in your book, the enjoyment that is distinctly from painting murals that is unique. It's not like anything else. You move your body. You're with the picture. You feel like you're in it. You turn your head. You look this way and that way. And You're creating such an environment when you paint a mural. It's addicting. So I will never stop painting murals. But you are right that I have put so much more focus on teaching it because I see that as something that I have to offer. It's something. That it's not a niche that's being heavily filled, you know, the teaching, the mechanics of, you know, the stuff I put in my videos. And so I feel like I am offering something better than painting when I when I do the instructional material. And it's just a passion. I love seeing people gain knowledge that I found hard to come by.
1: Mm-hmm. So something I think that's so interesting about that niche is that murals have typically been sort of outside art establishment. and you didn't go to art school, right? No, no. And yet here you are one of like the most popular art teachers online. And I think like, because you didn't have that constriction, like in your language, how you describe value or colors, it's just layman's terms. And there's no snobbery or pretense. You're just like, come on, let's get in it. We're making art. And I think like, it makes it more accessible. And I think The fact you're painting murals, which are sort of outside that art bubble anyway, gives you the freedom
0: to do that, right? Yeah, thank you. I found it discouraging and intimidating when I was beginning. I was just trying to pay my bills, you know, just like you described. You know what it's like to be at the beginnings of starting a mural business. You described someone you knew that, that was getting out of it because it didn't pay the bills, you know, and you were very intelligent about systemizing which i'm getting off track but i so much loved hearing about your coding background i was like what she does code? that's so awesome it is so valuable to be able to apply that analytical mind to the artistic thinking because when they work in harmony it's it's very effective anyway i'm off track I was uh, just talking about the discouragement of wanting access to how to do things. I'm not trying to become, you know, I wasn't trying to become somebody. I wasn't trying to get my ego or my name out there. I just wanted to pay my bills and I needed this job to be done so that a customer would be happy and I could take some money home to my family (laughs) Yeah, because I didn't go to school. I had nothing. I had a paint job. I was on a labor crew making $10 an hour and, you know, worked my way up little by little. And I was just looking for a better life, really. And so I so valued it. When I found an answer, I was like, this is the answer. This is what I've been looking for. I was in my garage doodling around, and I think I'm on to something here. And then, and then when I would just find one little answer, it was so refreshing to me that when YouTube came out, you know, 2005, YouTube was new. And I think 2009, I was posting my first video. I just thought, hey, I've got stuff that I think people would like to see. So I immediately gained that passion Mm. for putting the answers out there.
1: And I mean, putting together a video takes a lot of time. Did you hire help then? Do you have help now? (laughs) I mean, videos are great. (laughs) I I have to ask, I want to know, the music is so good. Who picks the music? Like the time lapses you integrate, the little Thank you. Thank you. That's very nice.
0: Looking back at my older videos, I don't feel like the music is great. I was making it myself. I was doing everything myself. And, you know, I was endangering my marriage and everything by doing that. I was not the man that my wife married for a while there. And and that was hard. That was a hard Because you were
1: overworking.
0: Overworking by a long shot, you know. And finally, YouTube started bringing in just enough ad revenues for me to pay my brother to do the editing. And so I feel like you can see a distinct difference when he started doing a much more professional job. Of, was
1: he an editor before?
0: Yeah, he was already in that business. He was already doing that. But I couldn't ask him to do me the constant favor of editing free videos for me. And so but I don't I see the,
1: ads in your videos.
0: You still see ads? Is that what you said? No,
1: I said I don't see ads. I watched a few videos. There wasn't an ad at the beginning.
0: Yeah, I think that as a general rule, I try to minimize. I do allow YouTube to monetize my videos. So there are ads, that, and I think it's just their default algorithm for displaying ads. But I don't do any third-party sponsors, any other ads. And I usually don't. I think now you can select how frequently you want ads to play in your videos. And I try to go... You know really on the light side because I don't love being inundated with advertising, and so I've always made it a goal to steer away from sponsorship and ads as much as possible. But YouTube still does put ads on my videos, so there's just an honest economy of ad revenues that are going there. And I so watched it's just probably it's hundreds, you know, it's hundreds, not thousands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, nice
1: job, it seemed like a nice balance. I didn't get an ad.
0: All right, man, that's great. Not all of the videos are monetized, you know, for, you know, maybe for some specific reason you watched one that wasn't monetized, so they won't play ads.
1: So now, does your brother, he still does the video
0: and he does all aspects of the video. He does all of the editing. So. He does the editing. Yeah, so it can be frustrating for him because I, I just have a pile of video and I'd say, I'm thinking this for the timeline of the video. And so it really helps to have a brother and not somebody who knows my personality less because they've known you all your life and he can understand what my motivation is. He can see my expression and, and read my intentions very quickly when he's editing the video. So that it has been a good working relationship. He's working on one now and we bit off a lot, a lot more than we're used to conquering. You know, he's got a pile of hours and hours of me going out into the field. And none of this has aired on YouTube yet. But I'm going to different nature locations and I'm in these environments talking about what we're going to go back to the studio and paint. And I've got these four really in-depth painting lessons all on water scenes because water has been a popular subject that people have a lot of questions about. So I chose, you know, when I was thinking, oh, I want to do some new material. That was the first one. But we've really been having a hard time getting it finished. It's in the making. And I'm so excited about releasing that. It's going to be four big videos. And we're actually going to try to make a Mural Joe show that could potentially be played on a network. We're going to shoot for that. I don't know if it's going to happen.
1: You would, that, I hope so.
0: Thank you. Thank you. You know, I have been so supported. I am surrounded by kind people, you know, people like yourself that are just genuinely encouraging. Mm-hmm. And uh, That comes so, from you,
1: Joe. That's totally, <laughs> you start, it starts with you. Like, thank even you. though you don't do things perfectly, you start with this like learner's mind that's just friendly.
0: Thank you so much. I think I just was fortunate to learn a lesson several years back. That if I stopped trying to be great on my own, I was surrounded by people that would help me to be even more than I could be on my own. And that has been a life-changing way of thinking. If you just let help in, it is just a gigantic difference maker. It just takes letting go of my ego. That's all. You know, I just said, let go of my ego and just let all of that help in and listen to criticism. But small price to pay for being surrounded by loving, resourceful, encouraging people all the time. My life is so sweet. I mean, you wouldn't believe. And I, you I described believe, how happy you believe. get to come home every day.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's really where I want to go next personally because I feel like I continue to operate in lone wolf mode. And I know that it limits me, and I like people, and I know that I'm good to work with. But there's certain limitations that I bump into, like poverty consciousness. You know, I can't afford to hire people to help me. Like I want to work with good people, but it's expensive. I mean,
0: that's understandable for sure. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we all have bills. You know, that that's that's something that you definitely have to confront. Yeah. So no judgment here. You've got to do what you got to do to make your business a self-sustaining business.
1: But you're right that actually just opening up a little bit, it seems like the universe is friendly, that people are friendly, that people want to encourage you along. And that even in all sorts of little ways, I would say, you know, even on the job site, noticing people are friendly or people bring me a snack or stuff like that. You know, I I can open up in little ways, but I just really appreciate what you just said. Just being able to let in the help.
0: Yeah, I don't to elaborate a tiny bit, I don't want to belabor and be boring, but I don't just let anybody do anything. There have been people that have invested their life. And those are the people that it's wrong to shut out. They have investment, they have stake in it. So they're not there to take advantage of me. They have spent their life being supportive, encouraging friends, parents, brothers, sisters, wives, all of these people who have resources and have spent lots of their time, you know. that's when I check myself and I say, Joe, is your pride getting in the way right now that you're not listening to this instruction, this criticism, taking this help? And so I've tried to become better at taking that kind of help.
1: Yeah, pride is my biggest obstacle.
0: I'm really proud of myself. <laughs> you I think- people, it's still an obstacle. I am not free from that battle. The moment somebody starts cutting you down, man, it's a wall that goes up. Yeah. But it's, it's hard you know, to be sensitive.
1: Yeah. I guess with clients, when I'm painting a mural, I take feedback because I understand it's their wall and like I want them to be happy with it. Like, actually, I have no pride on commercial projects. I understand my role humbly. Yeah. But then, in a bigger sense, just like the way you let the coffee shop owner or his nephew paint, or just like you're funny about it, you're humble about it, you're not prideful. Like, hey, that's my wall. Wait, I just have to tell a funny story. I painted a mural for this kid. Yeah, Four walls and a ceiling, safari. And his mom's like, yeah, you know, I said he could paint a butterfly or something like that. So I let him in to paint a butterfly. Then he wanted to do another. Then it was like a path. And, you know, I was like, okay, okay, Ari. And then finally, you know, he wanted to do something else. And I was like, you know, Ari, I'm kind of protective over my work. Like I just explained him, like, I think you've painted enough. And I really want it to be, like, I care. And he looked at me and he's like, okay, Morgan, you just do Morgan. He said to me, he says, that's okay, Morgan, you're just doing Morgan. And I was like, damn, he knows my number. Like, I felt bad. Like, I know I'm just being Morgan. Like, I get neurotic or prideful around my work. And he got it. He was so Yeah, but that
0: is hard. There's a balance, man. There's always balance. There's not just one side to stand on and just know for all events in the future, you're on the right side yeah. of the situation. You know, there's balance. That's hard when someone takes a little more, a little more, you know, they're really enjoying it. And now they're more involved and you're seeing a different vision. I mean, it's It was
1: a really sweet moment, but, you know, gave me the bandwidth to have my pride or my process or whatever. So yeah, he was like six point, or seven.
0: Yeah. Oh man, that's great. <laughs> I had one seven-year-old notice that the flag on a little sailboat out at sea at the hospital was blowing the wrong way. And she knew it was blowing the wrong way because the sails were bent this way, but the flag is blowing that way. And I was just thinking of like hair in the wind, you know. This was this is why I got it wrong. I was thinking of hair in the wind. The boat's going this way. I had the wind blowing the sails this way, boats going this way. So I put the flag like well behind it. But then it's like, why is the flag? But, you know, she pointed it out. And I just got word of that from one of the adult nurses there. They say, hey, this kid came by and pointed this out. I so loved that story. I left it like that. I, I love thought, that I story. I leave it there so that I can always just tell people, well, you got to notice the flag going the wrong way. There is a seven-year-old that picked it out first.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I think sometimes life is more interesting for the mistakes and the little things that you let in. I mean, yeah. that one video that you just posted about the safari room when you got this fufu doll from Target and said, oh, let's try painting clouds. And it was this fuzzy pink doll. It was so funny. And then watching (laughs) it fail and watching the fufu doll over the bucket, like that made the video. And, you know, you can fix (laughs) the clouds or whatever. But I mean, I think allowing that and allowing people in to see the places that we're learning and failing is what makes life beautiful and interesting.
0: Yeah, I really thought that was going to work. Well, it, it all came in my imagination.
1: Uh-huh. When I was watching, I'm like, "That's genius! I'm going to go get myself a doll next yeah. time I have to do this feeling." And I'm glad to know I learned something. Oh, I don't need to yeah. try that. I can see why I would get really flat or heavy or whatever.
0: Yeah, it didn't work good. I really thought it would, but I always like to think that the bigger lesson is in your, you know people learn by example, the way you go about things. Everybody has their own battle to fight their own journey to walk in. And, you know, no matter how perfectly thorough instructional content is, it's not going to address their personal battle. Mm-hmm. And so I always feel like it's more helpful to see a person's method of fighting the battle of approaching the challenges, you know, yes. the method of through problems and so that includes the mistakes and how you confront them because that's what everybody will be confronted and
1: and with murals and painting there's no right answer right it's all problem solving especially because you're working with a space like how is the light in this room how you know what are you trying to do like composition on a full-scale wall is actually has more to do with feng shui than you know how you do it on a piece of paper and also like materials are different i'm on a brick wall i'm on this or i need to get this done
0: yeah, can, Wait, be, can I oh, share okay. one
1: more great story? Just artist stories here. I was working on a wall, and my iPod earbud
0: drops. Airpod, well, my kids have ear pods. Airpod, AirPods. There's iPods, and now there's ear pods. Oh man. I
1: swear to God, my kids aren't gonna like laugh out loud at this. They're 18 and 16. So um, but you know, the Apple AirPod falls out oh, down. And the
0: there's Air, you just said another one. AirPods. I forgot about AirPod. AirPods, AirPods, AirPods. <laughs>
1: Okay, it so me. it falls into a crack between the wall and the sidewalk.
0: Okay, it's stuck. It's
1: gone. And I oh. look down there and I see leaves and dirt, you know, for the last 80 years since the sidewalk was built. And there's about a two-foot drop. And it's too small for my hand to fit in.
0: And oh, I'm no. sitting
1: there and I'm like, oh, there's $400 sitting down on the ground down there. You know, that's those AirPods are really expensive. I yeah. problem-solved. And I figured out how to get that. I used two of those weenie roller extra long and I put oh, really? on the end Yeah. and I taped the case. So it has a magnetic attachment and I slid it down. I got my knuckles all bloodied. It took me like an hour and I figured oh, it out. Man. Figuring things out makes you feel like a rock star. You know? Yeah, You, you know, made for-
0: a tool. You made a tool. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs>
1: And you're doing that. I mean, we're both doing that all day long as we paint, you know? Okay, yeah. the sun's in the way. How do we manage the wind? How do we manage like the paint oh, yeah. drying out? What kind of additive could I use? I mean, you're every day I'm like inventing the wheel sometimes it feels like.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, the fun a, it's very cool that we can go to YouTube and get one answer after another from people who have been through things. But just to repeat what you said, what I said, the mental approach, the way of thinking is the most valuable thing. Mm -hmm. Just approaching it with a cheerful, excited, being a good manager of your mood so that your mind can keep its energy and get a thrill out of working through those problems.
1: Exactly. And that's what you model on every single video. It's like (laughs) that learner's (laughs) mind. And that is what's so cool. I mean, it's actually really, that's the biggest lesson that you're teaching. You know, like I may get it wrong because you also made people who are so nervous around the scale of murals doing it right. You know, that's in air quotes because it's more interesting than that.
0: Yeah, man, I went into a college classroom and the terminology is so saturated with words of rightness and wrongness. You know, the right way to do this, the way to do this, the way to do. Like you said, it is very intimidating. And I found that the art industry as a whole was insufficient to answer the questions that I had. I was asking different questions and all I was being told was the way you're supposed to do things, but I I had a real hard time finding the real mechanical explanation as to why that was the best method. And when I did find an explanation, I found it insufficient, like there were problems with it in my opinion. So anyway, my point is that the art industry as a whole, I, I think, really benefits from challenging those old paradigms. Of this. The way you want to do art is like this. Art should be like this. Art is this, not that. It should be this, not that. It doesn't make any the,
1: sense anymore. Yeah, There's yeah. too many big blank walls to paint.
0: <laughs> yeah, what art is supposed to do, you know. And so... I think that it is good to get your hands dirty, finding your own ways of doing things and questioning the the old methods and old claims Mm -hmm. and not being intimidated. You know, we were all little kids once. We all are just kids that grew up. Mm -hmm. We're all just looking for answers in our limited short time here. So Mm
1: -hmm. So one question I have is around actually materials because, you know, I feel like in my book, I might've poked a little bit of like a viper's pit with recommending... Paint over air spray, spray paint. And it it comes from my painting background. And also, Mm. like, you know, if you have a full sun wall, like you painted those sunflowers, it makes sense that a thick application of paint would hold up to UV better than a thin spray. So right there, I'm, you know, every artist has their own approach, but I do recommend house paints, and people are always surprised by that. And I saw that you Still you it looks like you're using almost all house paints. Do you ever see that Oh, yeah. the acrylic?
0: No, absolutely. I use house, it's my favorite. I think that your research was in context and it was in good context. You know, if your goal is to paint a mural that looks like a painting on a wall that's going to be exposed to the elements, then the house paint is going to be more durable than spray can. that specific purpose you know it it's hard now brake can technology may have advanced a long way and so there may be some real good uh, durable uv options i am personally not aware of them but there still is an issue of massive expense and so to get the same coverage and thickness and durability for just physical abuse also the house paints are going to be much much more durable in that way.
1: And and cost effective. I mean, it's true. Yeah. I found spray when I use spray on some big buildings. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe how fast the price tag ticked up for man materials. Yeah,
0: there's a reason that we're not all spray painting our houses. We buy the gallons, the cans, because that method is the most practical for that specific purpose, mm-hmm. you know, of covering an exterior surface. An interior, it does an awesome job. And so I wouldn't fill a house with aerosol fumes.
1: Yeah, that's another piece is so many murals. You know, you're in environments where aerosol doesn't really make much sense. But so do you never varnish your murals? Because I use a UV varnish sometimes if it's in full sun.
0: And especially varnish, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it buys time. It buys time. And and I just want I just want to add on, I understand that spray paint is for the purpose of a style. You know, they are very good, like if someone is a graffiti artist and they're listening to this, they might be like, Hey, why are you dogging on spray paint? No, it's it's really awesome for that purpose. And the spray paint is the product for a graffiti mural. You know, it's gonna do an awesome job. So that's why I was saying your comments were in context as a mural painter that's doing jobs that are that particular style of painting on an exterior wall. You I do think you did a great job of identifying the best kind of products. Yeah, so clear coats, they buy time. And sometimes I just say, why? Why am I going to try to buy time on this mural? It's here for a limited time. It's going to last pretty well with this exterior UV-rated paint. But a clear coat does make it last a little longer. So some, if the client wants it to last longer, I'll clear coat it. And that's just with the understanding that this might make it harder to touch up in the future the clear coat might do things that paint won't do. You know, you might get some yellowing from the clear coat. Minor concerns. You know, I think if you do a water based polyurethane on a painting, then that's great. It makes it last a little longer and really won't damage anything. So,
1: what do you use? What's your favorite varnish?
0: Uh, you know, I'm still searching for the best. I don't even know how to evaluate what the best is. I just, you know, see what it's made for. I just go for the most abusive specifications that is there. And I just get that one. So if one is made for like exterior concrete, mm-hmm. hey, that's what I'm going to put on my mural because that's made to have the sun shining it on it and feet walking on it. But they all tend to be a water-based polyurethane. Mm-hmm. That seems to be the most popular. Yeah.
1: Next. But the oils can often yellow it. So you yeah. get a lot of So yeah. that water-based is good. I've been using a product by Marabu and it's kind of expensive, but I found it when I was looking for. It's a marine grade varnish, and I use it on pretty much anything. And I actually okay lighted, cool. You can choose matte. It actually has an eggshell finish, which matches the paint finishes I use. I use low luster paints, so the yeah. matte has actually a low luster, and it's just unique.
0: You know, clear coats they come in those low sheens. Those are a little harder to find. It's really nice if you have one available near you. Yeah. So you just have to be accepting that it'll cloud up your colors a tiny bit.
1: The darkest colors. It does. Yeah. yeah. But it's pretty it's pretty good. Yeah, the matte especially. will cloud up. That's cool. And so I use my golden acrylics to, I mean, your stuff pops. That's like your signature I think, visually. <laughs> it's your work really Thanks. pops. It's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. I usually get that pop by moving away from the house paints because it mixed to gray and I'll move to just golden acrylics. And that's what.
0: The oh, okay, good. Out. Do
1: you ever use acrylics? Like it seems like you stayed house paints
0: for the end. I just stayed at house paints. There is a difference though. You know, if you compare them side by side, I just have not found it to be an extreme enough difference to get that pop that you're describing, I've found to be more dependent on my strategy with the colors rather than the intensity of the original pigments. But the original pigments can vary. And so in house paints, they are diluted more as you described, you know, there's other things in that paint to make it more durable. And so the pigments are a little more diluted by other things. So there's like a a milky colored base in paint that probably helps it to be more durable and cover better in house paint. But with artist paints, it is a much higher percentage of just pigment. Yeah, And so I feel like that's the manufacturer relying on that paint, not being in direct sunlight all the time, or yeah, being yeah, heavily good. abused with exactly.
1: exactly. The house paints are engineered for what you're using them for yeah. when you paint a mural, and also yeah. I found that the way they mix to gray is actually helpful to keep softer areas when you need it. But sure, then, yeah. It yeah. actually is, in some ways, harder to mix house paint well than the acrylics well, because the colors can go towards muddy. I mean, there's benefits, but also interesting yeah. you're teaching that because you know that if you want to keep it light, adding just a little bit of that dark color just makes it it is harder to color control. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's interesting. I'm just thinking out loud that in yeah. some ways, house
0: paint is trickier to mix. Yeah. Pigments will darken. So when you mix different colors, like a red and a green that are equal in brightness. So let's say that if you converted them to black and white, they look like the same color because they're the same brightness. But that red and green, when you mix them, depending on their intensity, will darken because paint particles are transparent things. And so anything is transparent. If the smaller you make something, the thinner it is, therefore the more light goes through it. And physics will not allow for a particle that is microscopic to be completely opaque or else we would be able to cover a wall (laughs) with very little effort. We wouldn't have to do two coats. you know. So my point is that when you put transparent colors over the top of each other, a red on top of a green is going to block the green light from passing through. And then likewise, green on top of red will block red light from passing through. And this is just a physical... Reaction that, that I think reaction is the wrong word. It's just the way light gets blocked by the two opposing colors. And so you can never get a red and green to mix and be of equal lightness to those two original primary colors. And so the more pure and intense the pigment, I think the darker that reaction would be. And then the less pure, the grayer that reaction would be mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because it's not going to block if they're both grayer, then they're not quite as different. However, they're less pure to start with. And so you're going to have more of a graying, you know, effect when they mix.
1: You're typically buying your house paints in like full strength of a of a primary color. Oh
0: yeah. I'm always looking for the most. I'm always on the hunt for that brightest primary color. I always want to find that. so different manufacturers, I feel like they've been a lot more competitive as the years have gone by, and so more and more bright primary pigments are perhaps showing up. But I select on on that, but then also you know I need the paint to handle well and be durable. I was curious, you had said you worked a lot with Benjamin Moore and. I'm curious about that because I don't think I've ever painted a mural with Benjamin Moore paints. And so now I feel like I want to go out and try those.
1: Like, I mean, we've both been painting, first of all, it's worth setting a baseline of in the last 20 years, house paints have evolved tremendously. Yeah. Like self-priming, the colors, the longevity. So I like the Benjamin Moore's for a few reasons. One is because they are no VOC. So that's always good
0: if you're right. You said that, yeah. And that can really improve your work environment.
1: Yeah, exactly. If you're breathing this stuff all day long for many years, no VOC seems like a good way to go. And I yeah. think the other main reason is that their paints are really thick and they have really good opacity. So I feel like I save myself time. Like you know, again, I just watched a sunflower video. So if you're doing yellows, you know, if yeah. you get yellow in as few coats, I just have to say when I watch your videos, I'm like, all of that is spot on with how I would do it. You know, painting a All baby. right, cool with a cheap color and then, you know, kind of yeah. going over with the yellow and the yellow takes a little time. But. Yeah,
0: yeah. You're trying to get the most efficient way, you know. Yes. That's the job. Yes, it's,
1: that's the job. It's like you have a certain number of hours that you're getting paid yeah. for. They can't afford you for a month. They can afford you for a week. Yeah. So I just like the thickness, I think. And what are you using right now?
0: Well, I have the feeling it's similar there. Uh, Sherwin-Williams has a line of paints called Emerald and then Duration is the other line. You know how every paint company has their mm-hmm. stacks. Well, I think a lot of it is marketing. You know, nobody wants to sell the paint that is for floors or walls. You can use it for both, and it's great. It's the best for both. Well, the one that is just for floors will sell for floors. The one that is just for walls will sell for walls, and that one that is for both is going to sit there on the shelf on the side. So I think things are marketing a lot. But anyway, there are these two lines. One came after the other, and. I like the way they don't skin over. So when you use Duration paint, and Emerald is is very similar. Those are the two high-end paints from Sherwin-Williams. When I'm painting, especially interior, I find that they will thicken as they begin to dehydrate, but they won't get that rubbery skin nearly as quickly as something like Bear paints from Home Depot or... Dunn-Edwards paints that we have at another hardware store. There are a lot of brands out there that maybe are great for painting houses quickly, but that rubbery skin drives me crazy. And so these are particularly good for that. And they come in tinted bases that are brighter than, than what I've been able to get with the tints that are tinted over the counter. When you go into a paint store, they tint it with what they have there. They shoot their pigments into a base, you know, kind of like putting food coloring in your milk or something. That's how paint is done, for anybody wondering what I'm talking about. Well, if it comes from the factory already tinted, I think is a lot of the times maybe like a powdered pigment, more concentrated. And so I've noticed that these are brighter and more concentrated. And likewise, when I get black, I never like to have them tint black because black is always blacker if it comes on the shelf from the factory black and it doesn't use the pigment. I don't know why their pigment is not as black, but it's not. And so factory tinted things that are not tinted at the store tend to be more intense, and I like that.
1: That's so cool. I did not know that. I love learning new things. So I didn't even know Sherwin-Williams, actually for the pavement paint they have pre-tinted. But I do yeah. Not
0: okay. Tinted color. Yeah. All of them are not so bright, but I particularly like the red and the yellow in those two lines—the emerald and the duration. They have these red and yellow bases that I still can't find at other places, and they're rated for exterior and to take UV. So, oh, for exterior resilience is the one that they make mm-hmm. for exteriors.
1: You know, something I started doing in recent years was—I've always had like a set of interior paints. All my interior, you know, Benjamin Moore's and then all my exterior, it just takes up a lot of room, all those people. Yeah. And recently, I, I only get exterior and I just use it for all applications, I assume. Oh, yeah, that's great. really robust and it just saves me a ton of storage and thinking yeah. through having to market all the time. Wait, was that little jar interior or exterior? Yeah. They're all exterior now.
0: Yeah, like I said, over the years, I have seen one line after another. You know, you go into paint stores all your life, you see trends. You see the cans of paint that say interior, exterior. They have the slash. It's for both. And you're like, well, yeah, of course, if it's exterior, if it can hold up to that abuse, it's going to hold up inside. So they just rate it for both. But they don't sell like the ones that are you know, rated for one or the other because I guess we all are just very trusting that the manufacturer knows best and they're making the thing that's for that purpose. But I am challenging that when I go into a store and I'm thinking, hey, if it's for exterior, it's going to hold up interior. Mm-hmm. I have heard people talk about more VOCs in exterior. So if you find an exterior that's low VOC, I think you're good yeah. to go.
1: So the Aura is the no VOC. That's, that's the right combo. And I did use it on my floor in my house the other day because it was like maybe two years ago. It's held up fine.
0: I remember seeing that at a hardware store. And, and, and at the time, I was trying to do a painting on a low budget. So I didn't get that. It was more expensive.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So It, it must be good. Yeah, but I mean, if you're talking $10 more per gallon, but yet it's saving you a ton of time. Oh,
0: yeah, exactly. I
1: mean, I get exactly. for a house painter, it wouldn't make sense. Some stores don't even sell it because it's pricey, but it's $10 more than, you know, or 15. Yeah. It's a jump for most house painters, but I'm glad they sell it because for me, it's, it's worth it to get a premium
0: product. I mean, oh, I agree so much. I've made some mistakes with business and only budgeting for a low paint cost. That's dumb. You know, I now will get that expensive paint. You know, I get the top of the line because like you had described in your book, you know, the cost of the paint is not a huge percentage of the cost of the job. Now, I understand if you're painting at home and you're just looking for something on a budget, I highly recommend the cheapest paint because all you need is the color to practice. But when it comes to a job that is going to represent you for the time to come, Budget for the expensive material because it costs manufacturers to get those materials. The paint costs more because they're putting more expensive things that have properties that are much more resistant to the abuse that it'll take. It's worth getting the more expensive paint for sure. I used the word dumb and I'm starting to feel a little bit conscience stricken, but I'm just calling myself dumb. Because I could have got the better paint and I've watched murals discolor shortly after I painted them thinking, man, all I had to do was just spend a little more on paint.
1: Yeah. Tell me some other things you've learned from the business side from doing it for so long.
0: Okay. Sure. You know, people can be very annoying and you go to a customer's house, you got to have your A game on emotionally. You got to manage your emotional self. And so it is foolish for me to underestimate the impact that my feelings have on my workday. So that's something that I have to manage. I have to be on and creative the whole day. So that starts with the attitude that I go into an environment with. So I'm very careful about my facial expression, my body language when I'm talking with the client It's my job to control that mood because that mood can destroy a job. Okay, can I
1: just talk to that one point because it's so, I totally agree. And I feel like when you're making the videos, it's so important to show people the learning process and to show the learner's mind. But I found that if I act like I don't know what I'm doing to the clients, like, well, I don't, you know, it's all, if, if you don't act like you kind of know and give them a set choices, they get nervous. And sometimes they preempt and make decisions that are in the wrong direction, or they think you yeah. don 't know what you 're doing, yeah, so you kind of have to navigate that really yeah. carefully,
0: yeah, so I learned that a lot of the time when there was awkwardness in communication, insecurity starts happening it 's the elephant in the room you 're like, "Oh man, why did everything get weird? You know why are they saying comments that are suggesting things?" that I don't, you know, want to talk about it. It's, you know, you, I realized that I was responsible for creating that mood a lot of the time. And so I just began to pay attention. I began to listen when people talked about communication, about the, you know, it's all over, it's, it's everywhere, you know, that kind of wisdom, there's no shortage of it. Uh, You just have to care to listen to people who are doing well at it. And so I began to be careful about the way I just communicate to people. And I'm not saying that I became an expert. I'm just saying I began to prioritize it. Then I stopped being mad at people for being people because we do have mood swings. And so your customer can have a mood swing. They can suddenly have an opinion because they didn't have the vision like you did. When you, the artist, were describing this piece, And you were both like, oh, that sounds amazing. And they trust you. They've hired you. And so they say, go for it. That sounds great. But now they see something on the wall and their opinion starts to form. And that's very frustrating because you thought you were on the same page. But I did not account for their inability to visualize it ahead of time. Like I have, that's why they hired me because they don't have that. And I can't expect them to have no opinion. It's their property. And so I held myself accountable for being the professional to walk them through step-by-step step the visualization. And so I underestimated the value of the drawing, the colored rendering, and the planning process. And however you want to try to charge people, try to find balance. It's, you know, it's a dance that I don't have a perfect system for. Here's what you need to do to make sure that you don't get short-changed or that you don't get taken advantage of. I don't know, just try to be smart and try to be sensitive at the same time. Because the truth is, if people want to make your life miserable, they can. That's the world we live in. So I found it to be very beneficial to just pay attention to that. And a lot more good than harm came from taking time to walk through the beginnings and really be sensitive. And I'm going to stop talking about it now. You get the point.
1: That's an incredible point you just made. Triple underline thought.
0: All right. All right. Good. I feel like you talked about that very thing in your book. You know, this is something that if you don't learn, you will be frustrated.
1: Yeah. Like you're the professional. They can't visualize it and they don't know what they want until they see it sometimes. Or, you know, and so you have to create a process that allows them to be human with yeah. the process. Yeah. Well, you approved that design. So if you want to change it, that's fine. But, yeah. you know, there's a little fee or whatever, you know, you just, you just assume people are going to be like that and you take care of yourself as a professional and Yeah. also with your attitude and
0: everything. Yeah. I told, man, I was on a, a recent job. We've got 10 days to do the job and we're into day three and we are a 10th of the way done on day three. So do the math, you know, we're going to need 30 days at this rate. And we've got 10, but what I did as I'm standing there with the client, with my helper that I'm paying, I just assured them, I said, no, this is normal. This is normal, you know, uh, jobs. And I'm just gonna put myself in that and talk to you like you're the client right now so you can see the way I handled this. I said, well, this is normal that it's expected to be behind schedule at the beginning of a job because we're working through some very important decision-making and we're finding our momentum in order to get it done. And so this is normal and we can expect to see this rate increase exponentially as we go into the coming days. So don't worry about it. That reassurance, that fixed it. That fixed it. And And it's true, actually. It's true. Now, I could have been wrong. There are jobs that go south. but." Just don't project it. Don't make it true by saying it's going to happen. You know, if you're going to project the future, project a good one. And so I was like, "This is a mood wrecker right here," and I'm just, I'm just going to nip it. We're just going to keep our mood cool and just keep this like yeah. it's under control. And it did. It went like that. You know, I'm not guaranteeing they all go like that, but you know, the mood is job one.
1: And so I noticed on your website that you actually don't promote your mural art services through mural. Joe.com as much as videos. So how do people find you and hire you for murals? What percentage of your business is that right now? Like of your overall mural Joe revenue, how much is actually on-site painting versus your teaching products?
0: I think that I it goes down a little bit each year, but I will never allow it to go down to zero. I think that I probably spend... I'm going to say a quarter, about 25% of my time on a job site. It used to be half the time. It used to be 75% of the time. It was 100% of the time when I was really trying to form the business and my reputation. And so people contact me because they they search. You know, I have a, I have a contact button on my website. I, people can message me on social networks and they can find me. I just don't advertise it because... The balance is working as it is. And so, if there's a natural balance taking place, then I just don't need to offset it. You know, since I do love to take time to produce the instructional content, I don't try to fill my whole schedule with jobs, especially not jobs that people are looking for bargains. You know, that's normal. That's human. That's what people do. They look for a good deal, but I'm not trying to advertise myself to get a lot of that kind of opportunity I'm more looking for the clients that say I want a mural gel piece those are the clients that I want
1: that's awesome I love that and I love that you said that if this if it's working you don't need to yeah. order and strive in that direction it's like well it's working yeah yeah and also it felt like because you are doing tutorials that it's better to engage people have people engage with you on the platform like YouTube through comments, questions, stuff like that, rather than emails where you just one-off answering. It's always better to answer a question for everybody
0: to hear. Yeah, I just found that the chemistry wasn't working for me typing up. Man, if I ever could compile all of the answers that I've emailed out to people, because I care. So when I get an email, I really do strive to answer it. But I, in these, I don't know, what has it been, 15 years or something, you know? I have never compiled those answers to post them somewhere because I'm always busy doing something that I, that I love more. There's something else that needs to happen. And so that, you know, it just doesn't take high priority to get those answers posted. So it just didn't work for me because I don't like being on a device. I want to be out there talking to people. So when I'm talking to you right now, I don't, this is not the same feeling as typing on a computer. You know, I like to talk to people. And so I found it to work good for me to just answer them on videos and just hope that it got out that way.
1: And how old are your kids
0: now? Yeah, I've got three kids. I've got a five-year-old and he's in kindergarten this year. And for the first half of the year, his mom and dad in kindergarten because of the way things are right now. (laughs) And then uh, I have a 16-year-old and a soon-to-be 15-year-old. His birthday is very soon. So my daughter is the 16-year-old. It's crazy having a daughter that's driving. And then you know just behind her is my son, Joseph, that is just going to be turning 15. He beat me arm wrestling. He's 14 and he beat me arm wrestling already. I had to dish out
1: $100.
0: That was the offer. I told him the day you beat me at this, I'll give you hundred bucks. I just didn't think it happened this quick.
1: Yeah, my son stopped wrestling me because he just felt bad for me.
0: Oh, uh, he, he got there. Yeah, it happens. It happens. You got to pass the baton to that growing generation. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And that's great. So you have been able to support your family from your mural work.
0: Yeah. I Man, I'm telling you, I am so thankful to God for that. I, I didn't feel so confident that it was going to work out for some time. And like I said, I am so much the product of many people's care, time, love, investment, grace. I needed lots of grace. You know, I'm just the person that I've become is so different than than I was. And so, you know, I I'm so thankful. One thing I thought was was so great was how you intuitively knew things starting your business. That took me a long time to figure out. And so there were things that you started right out doing well. And I, I was Man, I was like, man, this is worth reading. This is worth reading for people to get off on the right foot. Because if I could have avoided some of these careless mistakes, I mean, you address the importance of careful planning, of careful pricing, and the mechanics of what that can look like with clients. And and those are things I just did willy-nilly. I thought, well, I can just paint this out of my mind. So that's what I'm going to do. Just going to do it out of my mind. Mm-hmm. Mr. Awesome right here. Well, I can do a thousand pictures out of my mind. And guess what? I ended up painting a thousand pictures out of my mind, one on top of the other before the job was finished. Planning is so important. So, you know, compliments to you on the and learning that stuff at Do you, you use the a digital
1: designs now or do you, do you draw it off your clients? How do you do that?
0: I do. This is a picture, you know, I, I got on the internet and this mural is intended to have a very hopeful emotion. So I've got some hot air balloons rising, sailing toward a sunrise over the ocean because I felt like, oh wow, the pictures I saw in color on my internet search just were magic. I loved the way they looked. And so I sent those pictures, the colored versions. So that pencil drawing is a first step because it's not a huge investment of time for me. And if a client doesn't like my idea, then, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to dump a ton of time. It's kind of like, well, first drawing is for free. I'm going to do that because I want the job. You are a potential client. So then, if there's follow up, we'll move to a colored rendering, uh, you know, something more thorough of what it'll look like. And I'll just paint it because if I paint it small, then I can do such a more efficient job of painting it large. I'll have my mind wrapped around the colors. I'll have so many things figured out from just painting it small and simple. And then I'll I'll map it out and just use that small version as a rendering, and then plan and premix my colors according to that that small painting. So very rarely do I actually do digital. I used to do it that way, but I found that it it was actually better for me to just paint it ahead of time with the same paints.
1: Yeah, I'm, I can never decide. I'm always like, what should I do? But actually, I find that painting it is better for also the clients to see the actual colors.
0: Yeah, and there you it go. Gives
1: them a sense of the artfulness. Like this is art, and it's not yeah. like a Photoshop or you know, if I do it digitally, it doesn't actually look like the artwork is going to look. So it just sets expectations around to the impression level and the color. So it's more accurate and helpful. To just yeah,
0: choose. I did very much enjoy doing digital art. I would love to see a program. I'm trying to make one, but it's just a hard thing to accomplish. I would love to see a program that models real-life paint mixing well so that when you are doing a rendering, you can really give that feel of the paint mixing and you can train your training for real paint while you're using the program so that it has a more helpful application for the professional painter. I wanted to see an app like that, so so I started in on trying to make one and. Man, you're
1: absolutely right there isn't anything like that that I found when you switch to acrylic, it just goes blurry, and or... yeah, It not right.
0: It's like, well, that
1: doesn't
0: work. Yeah. yeah, if you're a painter, there's color mixing that you're accustomed to, and digital programs just don't model it well. So, I use real paint, that's what I do.
1: Hmm. It's very cool, very cool. Well, Joe, I feel like we should just make this one of like a ten-part series. But I know that right now, to uh, respect listeners' time and your time, and I love talking to you. I can't believe I'm here talking to you after being a fan of yours. For well,
0: likewise, time. this is a real honor. This is the first time we've talked face to face. Yeah, yeah, this is very fun. Super so awesome. I would love to do more parts anytime you want to. Just let me know.
1: Thank you, thank you. I just I learned so much just from this you know, short time, And I know that it's super helpful to all artists. And I think, you know, we really align, you've been so generous with your videos, but just the idea that there's a lot of room to grow in this field. There wasn't really, it Mm. it, was no standards and the paints are getting better and a lot of things are changing. And it's like, as people can sort of jump, leapfrog over the first 10 or 15 year learning curve that we had, Get started making great work right away. It just elevates the
0: whole art form. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought your your book really was excellent for that. You know, we can never release a product that perfectly covers everything, but that's not what we ever become. We never become the person that perfectly does everything either, but it is just so excellent for jump-starting a mural business. I thought that was great. I mean, in a short time, you were learning how to profit bigger and better than I did after years. <laughs> you, know, yeah, but, you just understood but you
1: that. I mean, there's things in the book, like I was, you know, call people back within 24 hours and I have a voicemail from, you know, two weeks ago, right before Christmas. And I was like, I just can't, you know, So I drop yeah. balls all the time. You know, I don't do it perfectly, but I know what should be done. So exactly. Yeah.
0: I was really impressed. I, I thought it was great. So Thank
1: you so much. Well, I so recommend
0: it to anybody I saw. I'd recommend that book.
1: Good. Well, you did write your recommendation on the back. I of did. The book, so I did. If you read my book, you will see Mural Joe's recommendation on the back. I really appreciate that too.
0: Yeah. Okay. The only thing that I want to plug is oh. take a look at the YouTube channel. That's all. That's all. Just take a look at the YouTube channel. I love to post my current research there and I, I want to put more up as I go.
1: It's an amazing channel. I can't endorse it enough. I could just spend all day watching your YouTube videos. There,
0: thank great. you so much.
1: It's so much fun. There's so much fun, and your website that you have whole packages of, you know, how to learn a certain specialty like water or sunsets or stuff like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I love doing it that way. I just wasn't able to stay inspired when I did things by painting by a picture, a scene. I wasn't inspired enough to finish it. I would always start scenes that I thought would be awesome. I'd get a quarter of the way done and lose inspiration. But what really helped me to keep going was the search for the answer. That was what I needed, that energy I needed to finish the project. And so I became a lover of the research, finding how do you make something glow? How do you make something reflective versus dull and not shiny? You know, these tricks, they're just understanding colors and tricks. That's all it is.
1: Mm. well thanks for sharing the fruits of your curiosity with the rest of us for so many years you showing up for i mean a dozen years at least doing what you do and
0: yeah it's my pleasure it's a good life
1: yeah it is it is good all right my friend well i look forward to talking again soon and just thanks again so much for being on this podcast with
0: me oh thank you morgan yeah Yeah. pleasure to be here we'll see
1: okay take care Thank you so much for joining me today. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review this podcast so that more artists and art advocates can find and enjoy this content. Until next time, happy painting.